Welcome to WLN's Breaking Barriers podcast. On this show, you will hear the incredible real-life experiences from accomplished, inspiring women leaders. Together, we will learn, discuss, and discover how to effectively overcome challenges, break barriers, and better navigate our personal and professional lives. You will feel transformed and inspired to take action with practical strategies to help you succeed. We are stronger together and so grateful for you, our listeners, and our guests. Your continued support allows us to keep developing Breaking Barriers and provide you with great content. To donate and become a member of our community, please go to patreon.com forward slash WLN Breaking Barriers or click on the Become a Patron button on your favorite podcast platform. Let's keep breaking barriers. Zibby Owens is the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, Mums Don't Have Time to Read Books. Zibby's named New York City's most powerful book influencer by the New York City's magazine Vulture, conducts warm, inquisitive conversations with authors, making her show a top literary podcast as selected by Oprah.com in 2019 and 2020. She also created Mums Don't Have Time to Lose Weight Community and hosts the accompanying podcast. Zivi is an editor-in-chief of Mums Don't Have Time to Write, a medium.com publication. Most recently, she released an anthology, Mums Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. Zibby is a regular contributor to Good Morning America and has recommended books in the Washington Post, Real Simple, and other outlets. She has contributed to Parents, Marie Claire, Red Book, and the New York Times Online, and many other publications. She has appeared on Good Morning America, CBS This Morning, the BBC, among many other news outlets. She currently has two book deals, a children's book and another anthology. Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids, a second anthology. Zibby serves on the boards of Mount Sinai Health System, the Mount Sinai Parenting Center, and the Center Mind Institute, and co-chairs the Library Council of the New York Public Library. A graduate of Yale University and Harvard Business School, Zibby currently lives in New York with her husband, Kyle Owens, of Morning Moon Productions, and her four children, ages 6 to 13. I'd now like to welcome Zibby Owens to Breaking Barriers podcast. So thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I'm curious, and I ask this of everybody that uh, I interview, when you were younger, what did you want to be? I wanted to be a writer. Wow. So you're really following your true passion from the very, very beginning. That's amazing. Well, kind of. I mean, not really. Okay. My, my, my I want to hear. I want to hear the journey. <laughs> no, just my path has been like all over the place, and I still would not call myself a writer. But um, when I was little, I was like, I'm gonna be the youngest person to ever publish a book or something like that. Um, but no, my my main job still is not to be a writer. I'm like, it's my podcast and building this business. And, you know, I still love to write, but it has never been my main thing, except I guess for one year when I took a year off to write a book. Well, I'd love to hear from, you know, a little bit about your journey. So what did you start out studying? I started out studying, I thought I was going to be an English major. 
And then I realized I didn't love all the English classes, but I wanted to take every single psychology class that was offered. So I majored in psychology. I thought I wanted to be a psychologist. Um, I had some summer jobs in, in advertising and brand marketing, and I even interned at a psychiatric hospital for a summer. And then when I graduated from college, instead of applying to PhD programs, to be honest, I was dating someone very seriously, and he took a job out West and wanted me to come. And he was a year older and I was like, great. Um, I was like, but I can't start a PhD program because I don't want to end up in California. I want to stay on the East coast. And yeah. he's like, well, we'll just, um, you know, we'll be out there for two or three years tops. And then I'm going to come back East and go to business school. And then, you know, after that we'll be in one place basically. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, well, then I guess I'll just like figure out something else to do for the couple of years until we move back to the East Coast. So I went out there and um, I started working at a small brand development and design firm, which was fun, but it was the internet because I'm old. So like everything was exploding and I went to work at a company called Idea Lab, which was an internet incubator. So we were launching all of these companies from, well, eToys had launched before I got there, but like the legends were eToys and City Search and go to yeah. and pet smart and they're like all these amazing companies and i was the 25th employee and i got to watch company after company launch i watched as the business screwed of from one office to five offices nation worldwide and it was such a crazy ride meanwhile i broke up with the guy after about a year in la together yeah. and um decided to move back to new york which I did. And I started working in brand management at Unilever. And then um, I thought about all these businesses I wanted to start and which I've always wanted to do. I've always said all these. You things. always had that like entrepreneurial spirit as well. Yes. I've had just like all these ideas yeah. all the time. <laughs> um, and my parents were pretty much like, if you want to start a business, and even if you don't, even if you just want to go up the ranks at Unilever, a place like that, you know, you'll need a, you'll need a, a, an MBA at some point. And my dad had an MBA and he thought it was like the greatest thing ever. And I was kind of like, all right, well, I'll try that. You know, I yeah. might as well. Um, it can't hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I went to business school and two weeks after I got there was nine 11 mm, and my roommate, wow. um, who had been my roommate all of college and more than a roommate, like my best, best friend who like lived with my family for a long time. And then we had lived together after college and we lived together the whole year. I had moved back to New York after I broke up with my boyfriend. And anyway, all to say we were like best friends and she died on 9-11. She worked at one of the towers. Oh, um, God, I'm so sorry. So, that must have yeah. been like definitely life-changing, right? It puts everything into perspective. That has, wow. it has changed everything from that day forward. And as I always did, I wrote about it at the time. I wrote about it for the school paper. I, you know, was very open about what I was going through. Mm -hmm. I left school right away because I don't know if you remember, but like in the beginning, it was all about trying to find everybody before we all realized yeah. that everyone had died. It was awful. Yeah. So I was in the city trying to find her and the aftermath of that was just awful. Like, because our whole group of girlfriends and her boyfriend, like everybody just banded together. And then in the meantime, I was in this like hyper-competitive MBA program at Harvard where like yeah. everybody was like all gung-ho on networking and whatever. And meanwhile, I was with my old friends, like, you know, putting a program together for a memorial service and like mm -hmm. the, the juxtaposition of what 
my life should have been at that time and what it actually was. Mm -hmm. It was just hard to reconcile. Um, so, and I realized that, uh, my theory or not my theory, our collective theory until recently had been that Stacy had probably gotten to work right about the time everything happened and that she was probably sitting at her desk, um, uh, in one of, at the top of the World Trade Center, um, like floor 88 or 90. Oh now I'm details, but we never heard, we never knew for sure. So that was our theory. So like, she never reached timing. out to anybody or. No, yeah. but the timing would, and it, she was working in the tower where the first plane hit and it hit right at her floor. Oh my so God. we believed that that was probably what happened. So How old was she at the time we were, we were 25. Wow. Had just turned twenty five, and you know, at that, that time of my life too, like your girlfriends are your whole world, right? Mm-hmm. Like she and I, yeah, yeah. So um, and, and you know what? At that time, like I think back to twenty five, and I think back to even that day because I think everybody, it's in you know, it's embedded in their mind of where they were at that time, and when you're that age, you know, you don't necessarily even have had anybody passed away in your life at I that had it. you know like it's it's not till you're older that unfortunately um that you start to see more of that so that must have really impacted you you have on the other side these hyper competitive individuals just focused on achieve achieve and then you have the reality of life is short and you have no idea yes so and of you- course even the people I shouldn't say negative things I mean the community at large at HBS was amazing they were so really warm to me and supportive. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky. I mean, I definitely tried to drop out multiple times because I was like, I should not be here. I couldn't focus. I couldn't do anything. I was a non-traditional student to begin with, of which there were many, I think, to spice up the life for everybody else. <laughs> but it was already hard for me to like deal with finance and accounting classes. But with this layer yeah. on top of it, plus my like, I don't really care. Yeah. It was a miracle. I even graduated. Second year was much better. But and and what I meant to say was, yes, they were, you know, competitive and there for other reasons and trying to like, you know, get the best bang for the buck of the time that we had there. Everyone was obviously affected by what happened. It was not by any means just me. So I realized that if I was going to die at my desk, the way I believe Stacy had, that I better mm-hmm. be doing something that brought my whole self to, to what I was doing, that I was no longer going to sit and market Pepperidge Farm cookies, which was really fun. And I right. did that for a summer with yeah. Young and Ruby Cam. And everybody needs cookies, but everybody, I, I, love I, I love cookies. Um, <laughs> That's good. All the things I did that were like tasks, it, it's just like, I can't. So I decided to take a year off after business school and write a book. And I had been freelancing since I was 14 years old. I'd been selling essays to magazines. And I decided to write a book and I wrote I literally wrote four books because I wrote a a memoir. I wrote a second memoir. (laughs) Then I wrote a novel. Then I revised that novel. Um, And I ended up with a basically autobiographical novel about a girl at Harvard Business School who (laughs) spent on 9-11. And I got an agent and I freelanced on the side. And then my book didn't sell. And that was devastating because up till that point, I had pretty much any goal that I had set, I had basically achieved, right? If mm-hmm. I want to get into business school, I got and worked, re- I work really, really hard. So right. I don't like to give up. Um, looking back, I 
I, I wish I had handled that submission process differently, but I was just thrilled to have an agent. And then when the first six rejections came in, I gave up. Um, and one had one publisher at the time said I should have my friend die in a car accident or something. Cause they liked the friendship piece, but not the, and I was like, no, this is just not, no. Yeah. So it was a good life lesson of, first of all, I mean, everybody in their life has some type of failure at some point, right? But that you you can reflect back on it now and say, well, there's probably some good lessons that you learned, but also would, would you say that the writing of the book was maybe even good therapy for you as well? I had to do it. I, I had to do it to move on. I don't regret it at all. And I just wish it had sold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wish it had sold, but it didn't sell. Um, instead, my agent paired me up with a fashion designer and a fitness trainer, and I ended up ghostwriting a book for them, uh, nice. structuring the proposal. I wrote it. We sold it to McGraw-Hill. It came out. It was called Your Perfect Fit. Uh, so at least I got a taste of the publishing world. And then I had twins who were born like right after I handed in my manuscripts because at that point I had gotten married and everything. And then I decided to stay home with the twins for a while. And well, I didn't really decide that. I thought I was going to keep writing and I left them at home like when they were eight weeks to go have a meeting with somebody who wanted to do a book mm-hmm. and might want me to ghostwrite it. And I literally like couldn't even stand being away from them uh, for that hour meeting. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling of like that anxiousness and just that almost like pure sadness of here's this, these two beautiful lives you just want to be with. Wow. I just couldn't, I just couldn't, I just couldn't leave them. I, 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 they were fine. They were with my mom and whatever. I just couldn't. So anyway, I'm, I had my twins and, um, I, I did freelance. Um, I did some writing. I, um, started working with this company that some other business school friends started called Gaggle of Chicks, which was a daily deal site for moms like Groupon when the Groupon craze was happening. So I I wrote a blog for them anonymously and I negotiated group deals with all the places where I was taking my kids all the time. So that was really fun. So then I got divorced. (laughs) And then after I got divorced, I suddenly had free, quiet time that I didn't know what to do with. That was not a happy, quiet, free time. Right. Uh, I mean, it was happy in that it was the right move, but it wasn't like I went to a spa for a weekend and had yeah. a nice alone time. It was a very sad, you know, I was, I quickly started <laughs> dating the man who became my husband now, which was great. And so I was like falling in love with him. And I had that excitement on the one hand, but nothing could take away sort of the emptiness I felt and not being a mom 24 seven when I had done that for almost a decade, essentially. So, so I started writing a lot more again, which I hadn't been doing as much of. And then after I had written a lot of essays, my husband who who I remarried, he, I don't even think we were married at the time. And he said, well, maybe we were anyway, he said, you know, uh, you should really write a book of all your parenting essays because some of them had done quite well. And I was gaining some traction with the writing. And I said, oh, mom's done no time to read books. And, and then I was like, oh, that should be the name of my book. That's so funny. (laughs) But then I heard from the people in the publishing industry that they didn't think that would be funny. So, and I, and then another friend said, well, you don't even have a platform. You should start a podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? Anyway, that was three years ago. Oh, I forgot. 
Also, when I first got together with my husband, I helped his family start a crumb cake business because his grandmother made this amazing crumb cake and they were selling it locally in Charleston, but wanted to expand. So I helped them with like logo and design and branding and, you know, selling to different accounts. And that was really fun too. So you're starting to get back into that entrepreneurial spirit right at the time of being able to start a podcast which three years ago, really, I mean, it's only been a short period of time that podcasts have really, really taken off, right? Yeah. How was that for you then? When you're, you know, even for for me, it was like, I think I spent a whole year researching, how do you really get it started? (laughs) What was the emphasis of just getting you to get started on it. I did not think about it for more than five minutes. I swear. I mean, I, I literally, um, that's not true. I, I like spent the time and made a logo and thought about it and, you know, listened to competitive, uh, podcasts and tried to figure out what I thought made a good podcast. And, you know, I did do some preliminary investigation, but no, no more than like two to three weeks. That's actually Um, better because I think you can psych yourself out for me, it was the same thing. I had to, I was like, okay, one day I'm shutting the door and I'm just going to do it. I also, I really wasn't nervous about it. Cause in my head I was like, I'm just not really going to tell anybody like, right. Like, <laughs> you know, it's not like, like I had already been so humiliated that I told everyone in the world who I knew that I was writing a book and then the book hadn't sold. So like everything I've tried since then has sort of, and everybody knew I was doing this crumb cake business, right? Like that was what I was focusing on the most. This was like a little, yeah. Just a thing to try. I don't know. It didn't even feel like a public thing. So I didn't put much weight into it, into evaluating it. Anyway, I started interviewing authors because I've always loved to read. And especially during my divorce when, um, you know, I had a a therapist tell me like, you know, you love to read. If you're, if you're reading a good book, you'll never be lonely. And it's so true. So I, I, and I finally had the time to read again. Yeah. Years. So I got back into reading and I mean, I was reading all along, but I really got into reading again and I started doing all the interviews and I kept writing and things just built. And I realized I loved interviewing people. Love, love, love. I still do. I mean, I love it. It's just so fun. You must feel the same way. Yeah, I definitely do. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you get so much more, like, especially, so first of all, I think we share two things. We love interviewing people, but also I love reading. And so, but for you to be able to interview the authors and like really dive into what was their mindset, what were they thinking? Like you get the backstory. It sounds like it aligned with your passions as well. Were you really feeling fulfilled? I feel so fulfilled. Like I, I'm not even working. Like I'm doing, that's why (laughs) there's like no balance right now because it's all what I'm excited about my, like, I never had training and had to interview anybody. Like I just ask people questions I'm really curious about and I have fun. Like it's supposed to be fun. Life is short. So yeah, I just love it. And it gives me so much pleasure and it also gives me energy, right? Like I'm going to leave this room and go back out and deal with my four kids and my one kid's friend and like figure out dinner and, you know, everything else we need to do while dealing with all my emails and everything else. But now I will add even this conversation with you. Yeah. I'll go out with like a sense of renewal and um, it's how I feel when I read. It's how I feel when I have these intimate conversations, which are so much better than just like a pickup line chit chat or, you know, I just get like 
so much enjoyment and connection. It just means so much. So, and it's just so me, like, this is me. It's not an act. Yeah. Like when I'm in a bad mood, you can tell I'm in a bad mood. Like, yeah. so I and just I think that's what people like is that they want that authenticity. Like I, a lot of people say that, but it's true. It's just raw. This is what you get. And it's, I, I saw something that you were talking about building a community too. And I think Maybe you can talk a little bit about that because I feel like, especially during COVID, this sense of community around the authors, but also the people that are listening to your podcast, how I think you're making more of an impact than you even realize. Maybe. That'd be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. A community has always been really important. And I think that's why right in the beginning, and I guess I should have mentioned, I started having events. And I just invited everyone I knew over to my house, which sounds ridiculous now that I say it out loud, but I was just like, I'm going to have authors come and I'm going to sell their books and anybody who wants to come in can come and I'll like have coffee and some sweets and we'll just sit and chat and I'll have one of these types of conversations, but I'll do it in front of everybody. And I ended up doing that every two to three weeks. And I think that that was most of the growth of my podcast, I feel like is from that because people would meet each other and talk and they'd see what I did. And, um, and then it was just fun. Like I was growing this whole group of just like smart women, book lovers and who, you know, there wasn't a a similar form. And I feel like I was connecting some of the authors to each other who used to like sort of toil in solitude. So yes, community has always been important. And particularly with COVID, I mean, since COVID hit, I mean, I thought I was busy before with all these events and podcasts and whatever, but I, I started this Instagram live show because I just felt so bad for all the authors. Cause after two years of the podcast, I knew what it was like with all the pub dates and book releases and tour and all this. And I was like, Oh my gosh, these authors, like, obviously, you know, it, there was a major health crisis and, but yeah. like, I couldn't really help with that. All I could do was help with this and I had to do something. So mm-hmm. this is what I did. And, and I just, I had a show every day at 11 and I profiled like four authors a day and then I had another show on the weekends and I kept doing my podcast and I kept posting on Instagram. And then unfortunately, like that's an understatement, but then my mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law, Nini, who made, whose recipe was for the crumb cakes and Susan, who like ended up running that whole business. um, They both passed away from COVID and Susan, we like had to navigate a six week horrific illness. So Mm -hmm. I saw all that firsthand as well. And I posted about it all along and it wasn't intentional. You know, it's similar to like 9-11. Like this is just how I deal with stuff. That might help other people as well that are going through that at the exact same time, right? Yes. I think it did help. And people have told me it helped, which makes me feel so good. And it helped me so much. Mm-hmm. So in fact, writing, honestly, writing and reading were two of the things that got me through this whole year of like remote school and complete uncertainty, which was not a mode in which I ever liked to operate. (laughs) I I always wanted to have lots of, I always had plans, so many plans. So yeah, I ended up getting to know a lot of people online or through Zooms and I started a virtual book club. And now I have like really good good friendships that have come out of the book club. And some of my book club members are now writing their own books and it's all just been really fun. And then um, I also launched this magazine, which became a book crazy enough. So it's like now uh, this book came out, it's not 
I didn't write it. It's an anthology, although I wrote a few essays in it. Um, and I'm donating all the proceeds to COVID-19 vaccine research charity. But yeah, I somehow like along with the help of three amazing editors, Claire Gibson and Alyssa Altman and Carolyn Murnick, we put together this online magazine called We Found Time, which then at the end, I decided to put all together and sell as a book, which just came out in February. So yeah. it's like the I'm like, I just got a date for my first vaccine. And I ha- it's like I had this book come out. I sold two children's books. I have a second anthology coming out. I might have a memoir. Like, it's just insane. It it's all insane. comes. Like, it's it's like you're in the flow. Like, I find that when when you find where your purpose is and where that energy goes, it's it's like you found your niche, you found your area, you found your community. And I think, you know, a lot of people are struggling right now with COVID for many reasons. Either they have somebody that's personally affected with it or that they're career-wise, things are changing. And I think mm-hmm. you find that people also put a lot of pressure on themselves to, you know, they intend to achieve certain things in the year. But, you know, obviously with people, women, you know, having to take care of homeschooling as well. Like, are you seeing a lot of that in your, you know, with some of your friends or, or people that you know, or are you, are, you, are you seeing that this has been a really difficult time for them? I think at the beginning, a lot of authors I spoke to were putting a lot of pressure on themselves. And then they, I think collectively, everyone kind of took a deep breath and relaxed enough. Yeah. Relaxed expectations and, you know, figured out a way to get stuff done again. I don't think, I think, you know, a lot of my girlfriends had full-time jobs to begin with and maintained them from home and balanced and juggled. And, you know, I think it's been hard for everybody. It's been hard yeah. for everybody. All, all these obstacles, even just, just not having school. Like if that was, yeah. it. <laughs> um, you know, but for so long, not even seeing another person, not yeah. right. For so many weeks, we didn't see a soul. I only saw like my ex-husband when I would drop the kids off every so often. So yeah, I find it's been hard for a lot of people. I don't think, I haven't really felt like people, have been disappointed with what they've gotten accomplished. I haven't gotten that sense. That's good. I've just more gotten the sense of because that we're all worn out. Yeah. And I think honestly, like the people that say, express that to me, it's like, if you're still standing, you've accomplished everything that you need to accomplish. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Right. Because it's just such a difficult time. In terms of books then, so you read every genre, which is incredible. What is there one that you sort of lean more towards or is it just based on your mood? I love memoir. I really like memoirs about, I, I feel like I, I like memoirs for the literary-ness of some of them, but also not that that's even a word necessarily, but just that I learn so much from them. Like I always like reading mm-hmm. Like I've been reading a lot of memoirs about middle age recently. Yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I'm 44 now and I'm like, what's coming next? But yeah. I think that's something that I've always done. Um, it, coming of age memoirs when I was just out of college. And it's a way yeah. for people like I don't have an, an older sibling or anything. So it's like a, a a guiding light for me. But I so I like books like that. I um and I like fiction. Um those are my two favorites, like fiction yeah. and memoir. Um, That's amazing. And so, you know, um, in your career then, do you have a lot of people also coming to you for advice as to say, 
it seems like a lot of people want to write a book. Do you, do you get a lot of yes. those types of questions? Yeah. And so what do you typically say to somebody that, because I know we have a lot of listeners that are also on the business side, wanting to publish or self-publish a book or, you know, what advice do you have for them as well? Um, well, the tactical advice is to write a proposal, figure out what you want to say. Why are you the person to say it? You know, the proposal requires kind of like a business plan of your book and it is a product that you do have to sell. And so how, what is differentiating your product in the marketplace and why, and how will you communicate that? So I think those are things to think about at some point, but if you're at the beginning stage and you just feel like writing a book, you don't have to think about those things um, unless you want to, unless your goal, it gets to back up. I would say, what's your goal? If your goal is to write a draft of a novel or a memoir, go for it. Just like try it and go for it and do your best job and plan on lots of edits and whatever. If your goal from the start is to publish, you might want to be more strategic about it. Um, some things you can sell before you even write it, although it's unlikely, but it's, it happens a lot, to, especially for people who have like big platforms and whatever. But if you love to write, just try to squeeze it in. You know, as many people have squeezed in the books they've written, if not more than the people who gave themselves all day to do it. Um, yeah. I just interviewed Joyce Carol Oates earlier today, which was like crazy and amazing. And she was like, there was too much time this pandemic. I had a harder time than when I was busier. So, which I totally relate to. It's like going to school and you have like a deadline for an essay and you can write faster if that deadline is like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess my main advice would be to share your story because everybody has a story. Everybody has many, many books worth of material to draw on, to write about even just what you did this morning. I mean, you could write about anything and everyone has something to share that will help someone else. Last question then, um, the future. What is the, is there anything else that you see in your future in terms of that you'd like to take on or, or that you'd like to add to what you're doing I want, already? Uh, I want to start Moms Don't Have Time to Travel. That's my next big thing. I think it's going to be great. I have so many ideas. I already started forming a team and stuff. So I'm excited about that. That's amazing. I love it. Thanks. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to WLN's Breaking Barriers podcast. We truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with a friend, write a review, or donate and become a member of our community. To find out about the amazing perks available to our members, visit patreon.com forward slash WLN Breaking Barriers. We want to help you continue to learn and grow. So visit womenleadershipnation.com, sign up for our mailing list to keep in touch with us and receive invaluable resources and new podcast episodes delivered to your inbox. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep breaking barriers.